This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, October 6, 2009. I'm Caleb Brown. Unemployment is up again, and the likelihood of extended high unemployment has gone up as well again. In light of the new numbers, should we really have much confidence in the projections of those who will soon be peddling stimulus part two? Mark Calabria, Director of Financial Regulation Studies at the Cato Institute, comments. There's no economic statistic that matters more in Washington than unemployment. Idle factories do not vote. It's the, it's the, it's the workers that vote. Um, so I mean, that matters more than anything else. We could actually probably be producing less. And if you're hiring more people, it's probably a better political outcome. Might not be a better outcome for the economy. Um, that's why there's always that sort of uh, tension when it comes to productivity. You know, on one hand, we are much better as a nation if we produce uh, more with less. But for those workers who are less, they themselves are not better off. So there's that trade-off between, you know, one, it's the trade-off of the seen versus the unseen. And it's the trade-off of long run versus short run. I don't know anybody who thinks we'd be better off if three-fourths of us were working in agriculture again. (laughs) But Clearly, that was the case of the economy at one time. So there's always that trade-off and there's always that pressure anytime you're in a recession to kind of protect jobs rather than focus on creating jobs. Joe Biden famously stated that uh, the White House had misread the economy, and that seems to have been borne out by uh, the, the chart that's one chart that's going around now that shows the nice gentle sloping curve of unemployment without the stimulus plan and then the smaller curve of unemployment with the stimulus plan. You compare that to actual unemployment, it's uh, pretty dramatically uh, higher. How much confidence should anybody put in those kinds of of estimates? Well, certainly the estimates of how what the impact of a stimulus is going to be or the impact of any policy response, you know, have taken with a grain of salt. I mean, they clearly have huge margins of error. Uh, I would say anybody's economic forecast, whether it's the government or private sector, you should take with a grain of salt. It's like looking at polls. You should look at 10 of them and not one of them. Uh, And what counts really is, like the same with polling, the qualitative direction, Um, not exact numbers, because nobody's really going to give you a very good forecast. Um, But some of that stuff clearly needs to be taken into consideration when you're looking at the impact of policy proposals. Um, The administration clearly had it wrong, but the administration, you know, also wanted us to believe that a stimulus, which most of which would not be spent for quite a while, would somehow impact us now. So, you know, some of it was, uh, you know, having a hope that we would all have our expectations and confidence raised. You can't forecast confidence. But when it comes time to consider policy proposals, the numbers that are used to promote them are treated as rock solid. Well, we we all recall uh, President Truman's quip about, you know, bring me a one-armed economist, Uh, you know, because there's always on the one hand, on the other, uh, there are still very loud uh, debates within the economics over the multipliers. That's just, you know, you spend $1 in government spending, how much... Does that affect the the private sector? How does it affect job growth overall? Uh, the administration would tell you that you know you're getting a dollar sixty or something for every dollar in government spending that you get. Um, a lot of uh, private forecasters, a lot of academics would tell you you're getting less than a dollar. So a lot of the debate is you know how much impact you're going to get from this spending, how much it's going to go into the job market, 
what different types of spending you have. There are very large debates over whether if you have infrastructure spending versus tax cuts because people save some amount of tax cuts, whereas infrastructure spending would be spent, you know, hit the economy when it hits. The problem with infrastructure spending is it often doesn't hit until much later. So you – because it takes time to get through the government. It takes time to do the contracting. So some of it is a matter of timing. Some of it is a matter of impact. Some of it is a matter of the extent that which private actors offset that. For instance, it's a pretty safe assumption that we are going to have large deficits going forward. So one of the questions in economics is always – well, you might give me a tax cut today or you might you know, give me additional spending today, but I know in a couple of years' time my taxes are going to have to go up to offset that. So to what extent do private actors offset government action? Because it's not all else equal. And that's the problem with some of the modeling is it sort of assumes that – you know, boom, you're injecting money into the economy and there's no offset anywhere else and that people aren't making, uh, you know, changes to their own consumption patterns to offset what they see as future taxes or higher future interest rates. So the thing is, is there's so many moving pieces in most of these, uh, particularly government forecasts, do not assume those moving pieces. And quite frankly, the, the profession, the economic profession does not have a very good grasp of the magnitude and exact estimate of these moving pieces. And if we're not willing to put up with large deficits in uh, years to come, that means we would have to put up with higher taxes, essentially, in, in years to come to pay off a lot of the spending that's being done right now, and that likely will have a drag on growth. Or considerable declines in government spending, which don't really look like they're on the horizon. You know, right now, the math simply doesn't work to continue the path we're on. Uh, we've made more promises than we can essentially pay for. So the only way to kind of deal with that is you either default on some of your promises. That looks highly unlikely that we're going to default on, on the federal debt. Or you have to raise taxes to cover that. Uh, to some extent, I think the promises we've made, particularly in entitlements, I mean, when you look at the numbers on Social Security, Medicare, it's not simply a matter of our government doesn't have the money to pay for those promises. It's that our economy doesn't have the money to pay for those promises. You would really have to to pay for some of the estimates out there that you see for Social Security, what we owe, and, and Medicare. You'd have to take five or six years of the economy and take 100% of it to pay, to pay for those. Clearly, that's not sustainable because people are going to stop working. People are going to cut back. So we've essentially made promises that our economy cannot keep. So there's going to have to be something to give. You you can't clearly – I mean I think tax uh, increases are probably on the horizon for – and there's probably little we can do about it. But the question really is, is that no level of tax increases can pay off the promises we've made. It, that simply won't work. Alan Greenspan made the point on one of the Sunday talk shows, um, if people are unemployed long enough, their skills diminish. Yes. And that is a real cost to uh, economic performance down the road. And it's it's in a lot of ways just a, just a loss to everyone. Yes. Human capital like physical capital depreciates. Uh, you know, you can write off what you know for a little bit longer, but if you're not out there in the job market, you know, improving your skills or even using your skills, you know, it's not like you're not riding a bike. You don't simply just get back in the labor market uh, and get back and pedal on again. So the longer that people are unemployed, the less uh, valuable their skill set is and they lose some of that. And clearly, 
you know, on some fields, like if you're working in IT where everything changes on a pretty regular basis, it's not even simply a matter of being employed. It's simply a matter of keeping up with the direction, you know, of the technology that's used there. I think a lot of people would take what Greenspan said and take that as an argument for stimulus too. That is, spending a great deal of money now, putting a bunch of people back to work will uh, somehow keep these people's skills up to snuff long enough for the economy to then recover, and then everything will be fine. I'm sure some people would make that argument, uh, but I think we've seen the history of stimulus bills has not been a very good one, particularly in terms of helping people retain their skills. I would agree that the most important thing are we should be doing in terms of economic policy is creating an environment conducive to job creation. One of the problems I see coming out of Washington now it's not simply that you want to keep people in jobs. You want to create new jobs, and you want to have the private sector create new jobs. But if you're particularly, say, a small businessman, you know you don't know what your healthcare costs are going to be over the future. You don't even know what the, you don't even know what the context of the healthcare plans you're going to have to offer right now are. Uh, you don't know what your environmental compliance costs are. Um, you might have to be buying carbon offsets. You don't know that or not right now. You don't know what your tax rates are going to be. You have a pretty good bet if you're an employer today or if you're a small business owner that your tax rates are going to be going up, but you don't really know how much. So in an environment that makes it very difficult to plan on the part of employers, a lot of employers are going to sit on the sidelines. And I think that's what we're seeing. So I would say as a message to Washington, the single best thing we could do is to provide an environment where businesses know the rules of the game for the next couple of years going forward. And that pushes against most of what Washington wants to do, which is remake the world in its own image. So, you know, right now there needs to be a sort of let's take a break. Let's focus all of our energy on the on the economy. Let's focus all of our energy in getting a situation where businesses can predict what their future costs are going to be, particularly in terms of labor. Because until that's done, a lot of businesses are going to sit on the sidelines. Mark Calabria is Director of Financial Regulation Studies at the Cato Institute. You can read more of his work at Cato.org.